then Brad and I was talking and he says, come, try come down for a day or something. And so they didn't want me and I felt really rejected and I came down and uh, now I got the privilege of coming back down and seeing Beth and seeing Brad and their family and, and with you guys. And, uh, and it's a real privilege. It's because um, these guys are crazy, you know that, don't you? And, um, and we, just, we just fit it together really, really well. And um, they have a similar heart and you guys have a similar heart to our church. You know, there's 1.6 million people in my city called Dublin. And people say, we're, we're not a mega church either, but I loved what Brad said earlier, but, but, we're, but we're having a mega impact. You don't have to be a mega church to have a mega impact. And um, so people say many go to your church because seemingly people are really interested in that, especially pastors. And uh, I say 1.6 million people come to my church. My whole city comes. Or more, we go to the 1.6 million and reach out to them. And um, I love that phrase, actually. I might take that if it's okay, Brad, and, um, and really bring it back and be, like, be, a, be a mega person. Be a mega person in the kingdom. And Jesus will open up the doors and he will do what only he wants to do. And um, I, I remember this story um, yesterday talking to Beth's brother. And um, when, when I became a believer, I became a believer on the 22nd of March, 1989, a Tuesday evening at 9.40 in the evening. And, and that, that time, of time and date and day is etched into my mind forever. Um, and mainly because I've always shared my testimony. I'm 27 years a believer. I was 22 years, um, years of age when I became a believer. But three times from three different people from three different parts of the world in three different times and places and spaces, three times the Lord spoke to me through three men and told me, that um, if I didn't get saved the day I got saved, I was going to die the next day. And I don't know why God told me that. The first day, it was like, the first time I was like, wow. I, I rang Sharon actually and told her, which would be unusual for me to just ring and tell her something a bit morbid. And, um, but then this happened again and again. And it makes your testimony very, very real. Um, I come from a community where we were ravaged with heroin in 1979. Um, a family, it's well documented, a family from my community robbed a bank in England. Like as an Irish person, if you're gonna rob a bank, make sure it's on the Brits. And um, they, they came back, they didn't get paid with cash, they got paid with heroin. And they came back and introduced my community to heroin. And as a result, our young men and women um, we buried up to 400 of these young men and women. So I'm 49 years of age. There's no 52 or 53-year-olds in my community. They're all dead. And in the midst of all of this, so I was one of those stats, or should have been one of those stats. And somehow, God reaches in and touches my life. And um, it's been crazy ever since. I existed for 22 years. I came alive at 22 on the 22nd of March, 1989. And um, two missionaries from the Assemblies of God of, in America, they came to Ireland and they started a church and another two missionaries came and they discipled myself and Sharon. And um, the fruit was worth it. What God can do in a life and through a life. And, and I said earlier and, um, in the earlier service, and I want to remind you guys, uh, I, I've come to America for the last number of years and I've seen 
you as American people who have always seen as a confident people or have seen your confidence being eaten at and eroded. And it's nearly, I've just was thinking about it there, there's times when Americans have come to my country and they're nearly apologizing for being American. And you need to stop doing that. You need to know who you are in God. You need, like I keep saying, guys, you went to the moon. Hello? You went to the moon. You're the people that makes thing happen, things happen. God has, you know why there's tribes and nations and tongues? Because every tribe and nation has a sound. And someone's trying to shut you up. And you need to see who's behind, 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 behind who's trying to shut you up. And you need to take a hold of that again and be, be in God proud of who you are, where you live, the time you live in, the space you live in. And the world needs you in spite of what people are saying. The world needs people to leave this island again. Because what you have to realize, people paid a great price. People overcame persecutions and, and death and religious stuff to come here and to build what they have. And I would just want to encourage you just to be who you are. Just to be who you are in God. Find all that you have to do in God and do it. And just do it. Just get on with it. It doesn't matter what people are saying. Just be who you are in God. Your own government is trying to break you down. But you know, you're bigger. You're broader. There's a kingdom call in this nation. And the world needs it. As much as they need my nation and their voice and their sound, they need your sound. And um, I'll just pray, Father, would you just release it fresh and start here in Faith Chapel in us, in this place called O'Fallon, in this state called Missouri, Lord, in this nation called America. Would you let it rise up here, the sound of God in each heart, Lord God. Lord, let them hear you sing over them, and they resound what you're sounding into them, into the earth, Lord God, where your glory could be manifest, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord God, in spite of what the enemy is trying to put on this nation, there would be a breakthrough and this nation would send out more missionaries, more ministries, Lord God, than ever, ever before in their history. In Jesus' name, O oh God. And we say, here we are, send us, O oh God. We're saying, here we are, Lord. Wherever to whoever, whenever, Lord God, for your glory, Jesus. Signs and wonders following, O oh God. Blind eyes opening, Lord. Captives being set free, Lord God. The lame dancing, O oh God. The dumb singing, the deaf hearing, O oh God. Towns and villages and cities coming to know God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I have some scriptures to read. I was looking there for the clock. <laughs> I was like, it's getting late. <laughs> Yeah, and we, like, in, I have to tell you this, um, with Brad and Julie and, um, Julie, Brad and Beth. I actually know a couple from America called Brad and Julie, and I met them first, and every time I say Brad's name first, Julie comes out. And it turns out they know Brad and Julie. It's like, how weird is that? Do you know what I mean? But, um, but we love these guys. Like, we only met them last year. And then this time we spent in Ireland, we spent a, a, a fair bit of time together. And we laughed. And we had a great bit of crack. And crack in Ireland is not crack here, right? <laughs> it's like crack is an Irish word for fun. So when you go into the pubs, there's, there's a science that says crack August, which means and, kyo, music. And we had a lot of crack and we had 
great fun and great connection. And I really appreciate you guys and the heart. And also, thanks for your kindness to me. And thanks for the kindness to our church in, in Dublin. And we really appreciate um, your giving into our, into our lives. And uh, so let's read the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that there's power in this word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that there's cleansing, Lord, and freedom, Lord God, and eating and drinking on it, Lord God. And we just ask, Father, that you would break your bread, that you would pour out your water, Lord, that you would let your hammer swing, Lord, or your sword swing, Lord. Whatever is needed from your word today, Lord, that we would experience in our lives, Father. We thank you for the depth and the width and the breadth and the height and the multi-dimension of your word, O oh God. It can go far and wide and deep, Lord God. It can cut off and renew and bring life, Lord. Lord, and speak things that are not, and make them things that are, Lord. We just are so grateful for your word, Lord, that heaven and earth will pass away, but this will endure forever, Lord. Father, we thank you that there's life in your word today, Lord, and we ask, Lord God, it would do what only your word can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to see Destiny here. Hey, Destiny. <laughs> she just looked at me with big eyes, and I was sitting down the back at youth the other night, and she, afterwards when I got up to speak, she came and says, I thought you were a weirdo in the back. <laughs> and she says, and then the weirdo gets up to speak, and she was like, what is Pastor Brad letting a weirdo get up to <laughs> Just to let you know, I'm back again today, Destiny. <laughs> yes, <got> <laughs> she did say it, didn't you? <laughs> so here's what the Word of God says. It says in, I'll tell you where it is first, Numbers 13, chapter, verse 17. Numbers 13, 17. When Moses sent them to explore, the Can to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it poor or or is a fair toil? Are there trees in it or not? Do your, do your best to bring back the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went and explored the land from the desert of Sin to Rehob and as far as Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where the descendants of Anak lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan, Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eskol, they cut off a branch bared in a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried the grapes on a pole between them, along with pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes. And the Israelites cut off them off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is the fruit of that land. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and are very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. So can you imagine they come back and 
they're given this report and three times at least they mention about the fruit of the land so they come back and they're given the whole assembly of the people the report of what the land looked like the people looked like the cities looked like the the the, the trees looked like everything and they come and they said and they show the people the fruit of the land so these grapes like were they took two men to put them on a pole to carry them now that's a bunch of grapes isn't it I, I, I've been reading commentaries up on this, and they said the grapes in that area are as big as a man's thumb, you know. And I've seen bigger grapes than that myself in Ireland. And it doesn't take two men to carry a bunch of grapes that are that size. That these were big grapes. These were leaders that were sent to carry these. Can you imagine two leaders carrying a little bunch of grapes on a pole? Like as leaders, if you can't come up with an idea to get them back in full, in full tact without carrying them on a pole, you shouldn't be a leader. <laughs> so these were big grapes. These were fruit of the land that's flown with milk and honey. And they, so they were saying, look, look at the cities are fortified. And there is Anaks there, which were giants. And there is powerful tribes, the Jebusites and, and Canaanites. And there is hill country. And there is giants in the land. And there is things to do. But listen, we need to go up and take it because the fruit is worth it. It says we need to go up, look at the size of those grapes. Powerful situation. There will be battles, but the fruit is worth it. There is giants to be taken down in the land, but the fruit is worth it. There is strategies that's needed from God to take down the walled cities, but the fruit is worth it. And I want to encourage you this morning, Faith Chapel, wherever you're at, wherever you're doing, keep going after Jesus because the fruit is worth it. Keep going after your new building because the fruit is worth it. Keep going after praying for the sick because the fruit is worth it. Keep preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God because the fruit is worth it. Young people, keep going for Jesus. I'm telling you, the fruit is worth it. I could tell you 450,000 stories about our church and the impact we've had on, on a certain demograph in, in Dublin. So my mandate that God gave me was to go in to places where you see the devil's writing on the wall and change it for God's writing on the wall. You go in. So we don't go in looking for nice places. We go and say, where's the most crazy community in this place? And we go in because God has learned us not to be afraid of mess. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So we, I could tell you 120,000 stories, honestly. And I'll tell you one or two along the way. But as a church, there's times when Teen Challenge began in our country, there's been more heroin addicts delivered in our church than there has been in Teen Challenge. So that would tell you like what God has done. In, but you know what thrills us? When a young person shares the testimony that has walked with Jesus. We're like, yeah! We get asked to go to other churches where when they see someone, like a Methodist church asked me, would I send someone to share the testimony on Easter Sunday? And they said, we need a bad story, no, because we need to tell our people, it doesn't matter who you are, if you pray, God reaches people. That's what the minister wanted to, um, you know, like to uh, convey to their church. So I said, how about a scar down the eye and two bullet holes in the back? That's a great story, no. He was a pirate. But you know what thrills us guys? Is when young people keep walking with Jesus. The big stories don't get us jumping up and down. But your stories would. 
If I've walked with Jesus, I've kept myself right before God, I've done good, or done right in my relationship before God, keep going. I'll tell you why the fruit is worth it. Because you change generations when you do this. It's not just a person, it's a generational thing when we do this, these things. And don't give up because it's worth it. The fruit is worth it when you don't give up. Perseverance is worth it because the fruit is worth it on the other end. Keep going for it. I was thinking there just, just um, recently about the, when Jesus says about the, um, the, the, what's your man's name? The Samaritan guy. Hello. So you can imagine what happens in, in this. The, 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 he, he's going down to Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he gets mugged. He gets beaten up. He gets stripped naked. He gets like his, everything taken on him. He's left for it. The Bible says he is half dead. Half dead. Have you ever felt that way in life? Has life ever come and beaten you so much? You're beaten down. You're, you're like, you, you've made decisions or other people have, 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 have made decisions for you or against you. And it strips you of your identity. It strips you of who you are. You were once confident and now, like, I'm not confident. I feel nearly beaten down. Or have you ever been to a place, because I visit this place very, very often. Times when I feel half dead. I, I kid you not, in these three years, I've tell this to my church all the time. I'm happy that I've got out these last three years with my sanity. Such was the intensity of attack on my life. Have you ever been that way? But you know when it says he was half dead, you know what that means? He was half alive. And you can imagine the half alive or the half dead because the dead speaks loud, doesn't it? When you're half dead, it speaks loud. It's like, so he gets beaten up. He's lying there. He has nothing going for him. This is your law. You're never going to get out of this. There's nobody there to help you. Who's going to come by and put clothes on you? Who's going to come by and administer healing to your wounds? You're gone. Do you ever hear the death sound when it's just like, oh, 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 just keeps on going? But here's what happens as well. There's a half alive person in this half a dead person. And you can imagine the half a dead part saying, don't give up. The fruit is worth it. I know it seems bad now. I know it seems like you're sinking. I know it seems like no one else is in your world. I know you feel lonely, but don't give up because the fruit is worth it. See, some people want to be doing great things for God, but not everybody wants to go through the hell that sometimes it takes to do great things in God. When you do feel half dead and you have to trust God, but there's that part in us. I don't know about you, but I'm an easily encouraged person. Thanks be to God. I don't be down for long. A sparrow or a bluebird or, well, we don't have bluebirds. A robin red breast can fly by me and I'm encouraged. Like, wow. Look at God's creation. I kid you not. They tell me in Ireland I'm the only person that gets excited about a squirrel on a tree. Because where I grew up in inner city, we don't have squirrels. We don't have anything other than rats. I kid you not. Oh, look at a squirrel. Isn't God great? Times I've been half dead and the simplest of things is being a bit of life going, keep going, Noah. Keep going. And I want to tell you and keep on going. God is ready to send someone your way. Don't give up. The fruit is worth it. Don't give up. And that that person that's coming your way might be who you think it is. Don't put all your eggs in in one person's basket. Because God might want to send you someone else right out of blue. God might want to send your enemy boy to bless you. 
Can you imagine the half-dead um, person lying there? No, this is never going to change. Have you ever felt like that in your marriage? It's never going to change. Persevere because the fruit will be worth it. Keep on going because God will send someone into your life to help solve some of those situations. And the half-dead man is lying there. The half-alive man is lying there, although it's one man. Nobody will come to rescue me. God will send somebody. And a priest comes down the road. That's what Jesus says. Told you. A priest is coming. He's been in the temple. He's been offering sacrifices unto God. He was offering incense prayers unto God. Now we're going to get rescued. And the Bible says, Jesus says, the priest seen the, the fellow on the ground and walked right by him. Not walked by him, sorry, crossed the road. Wow. Can you imagine what the half-dead says to you then? Told you they didn't care. Those religious folk. Here's the Levite walking down the road. Maybe the half-life part says, this is it. This is how God's going to do it. I recognize his face. He was working in the, in, the, in the temple when we were there. I said hello to him. He's going to know, know me. And the Bible says, Jesus says, he goes across the other side of the road again. We have to stop that as the church in the world. We can't keep ignoring we can't keep going across the other side of the road. Maybe the least person, or we know it's the least person who stopped by called the Samaritan, who the Jews believed were dogs, half-breeds. He stops, and he administers oil, and he administers provision, and he administers shelter, and he administers provision. To keep him in the place. And he, he gave him transport to his next destination. I'm telling you, there's people here, and God is going to bring people, and He's sending people. They've already been commissioned to come into your life, to bring your healing, to bring your word of healing, to bring your transportation. Someone needs transport. Well, God has already organized someone to provide your transport for you to get you to your next destination. Do not give up. Why? Because the fruit is. And see, in them moments of, of, of being half dead and half alive, they're the opportunities there. And I believe this is where many, many of us can fail. That we allow the dead to convince the life it's better to be dead. And we can wallow in pity. And we can wallow in doubt. And we can wallow in fear. We get a chance in this situation to be actually a sheep or to be a pig. You see, when you get a sheep falling into mud, a sheep will never stay in mud. It may be on its back, which is hard for a sheep to get up, but he doesn't want that mud in his wool. He doesn't want that wool weigh, or that mud weighing him down when he does get up. So when a sheep, when a sheep it falls into mud, it bleats. It cries, get me out of here. I'm not made to wallow in mud. I'm made to walk. I'm made to follow a shepherd. I'm made to eat out of green pastures. But if you get a pig and put him in mud, well, he wallows in it. And in these situations, the, 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 the pressure and the temptation is, is to just stay in it. And what's the use to get, no, someone's going to knock me back down again. We get a chance to be a sheep. It doesn't matter how long you're down. I guarantee you when your sheep a cry comes out of you someday, 
It doesn't matter how deep the mud is that you're in. I guarantee you one day that the, the, the sheep will cry out, I'm made for more than this. That's why the prodigal son, it says he came to his senses. He's looking at the pigs. He's feeding the pigs. He's longing to do what the pigs are doing, wallowing in it. And he came to his senses. He started, no, I don't belong here. I'm not settling for this life. God has something. My father has something more for me. He didn't fully realize it because he just wanted to be a servant. But he knew this. I don't want to be there. And for some of us, I want to encourage you, get up and get out. Why? Because the fruit is worth it. The fruit is worth it. And not only do the sheep know the shepherd's voice, the shepherd knows the sheep's voice. And David says in Psalm 40, I cried out to the Lord and he turned and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the mud. That God hears your cry. And he delights in reaching down and lifting us out and putting our feet upon a rock and giving us a new song. A song of praise. A song that many will hear and many will fear and many will turn to the Lord. That he takes us out of the mud and gives us a new platform to declare the goodness of God. He rescued me. He got me out of that. I didn't think I was going to get out of that. But he sent someone boy to get me out of the mud and the mire. Why? Because the fruit is worth it. Don't stop praying for your wayward children. They may be wallowing in the pigsty. But I want to tell you, there's a bleat of a sheep in them. And we keep praying for them. Why? Because the fruit is worth it. When they come in the house, we're not like an elder brother. We don't tolerate them being home, but we celebrate them being home. We don't look, oh, look where, where he's come from. It's like, look where he's come from. Look where God is rescuing him out of him. He's clean. It's all off of him. And he's walking in as a son. Or he's walking in as a daughter. God is sending people your way because the fruit is worth it. Go where Jesus wants you to go, to whom he wants you to go to because the fruit is worth it. Do you ever notice when Jesus was on this side of the lake and he's with all the crowd, it's not long after feeding the 5,000 and he says to the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. I don't know about you, but the temptation for me would have been to stay with the crowd. <laughs> I'm very popular over here. I'm just out to feeding them all. But this is how incredible our Father is. Because Father speaks to Jesus and says, Jesus, go over to the other side. Because Jesus only done what his Father told him. And he goes over to the other side, and there's one man that's crazy living in the tombs. Comes out at night. Can, can you imagine his life? We don't know what his life is, but can you imagine? Maybe it was a family man that went crazy. The town folk pushed him out because they didn't know how he, what he was going to do next. The only person he had to hurt now in the tombs was himself, so he'd cut himself. That's been an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to release pain. Can you imagine him coming out at night? Maybe he was the boy, or the, he was the, the things that mommy said to kids. If you don't, do what I'm telling you. The tombstone terrorist is going to get you. Maybe he was. Maybe he was the butt end of the jokes. And now he's living over here. And Jesus leaves the crowd with the disciples and comes through a storm. Why? Because the fruit is worth it. 
You go to where God tells you to go, to whom He tells you to go, because the fruit is worth it. And he goes over, and you know the story he, he deals. I love the point, there's this one point in it, that Jesus gets out of the boat, and immediately your man comes running down. It's like the king of glory, the one who made the earth, steps onto a bit of earth, and the reverb, the sound of Jesus just stepping into an area, causes the enemy to go, what are we going to do? And he's naked and crazy, and Jesus heals him and delivers him. And I love this part because he was naked. And then the next part you see, he's sitting there in his sound mind and fully clothed. I don't know about you, but I always think, who brought the clothes? <laughs> There's always a practical one, isn't there? I bet they bring extra clothes just in case we spill coffee on air out <laughs> on the way over. I love it. There's always somebody, isn't there? Like, I was like, wow, how could you have thinking of an extra pair of shoes? Don't know, just think that way. Keep thinking that way, guys. And the man wants to go with Jesus. And he says, no, I'm sending you back to the Decapolis, to the ten cities. And it says he went back and they listened to him. And Brad told me during the night that when there was persecution, like 30 years later, in Jerusalem, the people went to the Decapolis and they got sheltered. The Christians went to the Decapolis and got shelter. So you can see it's God. Gonna touch the crazy man. He's going to start up an evangelistic association. What about Bible college? What about training? No. He has my story. He has me. And he goes, so what was in that man? What was the fruit that was worth it was? Not only the man, but there was 10 cities in that man. Now, who knows what's in you? Keep going. Allow him to heal us of whatever craziness is in our life. Because you don't know what's in you. But I want to tell you, there's something in you. The fruit that's on the other side of your life could be incredible. That like you might reach one man, but that one man has 10 cities in him. That one lady, that one teenager, that one children, that one person that comes to the VBS, that there's a city or a nation probably in one of them. And when they're sharing their story, they tell of your life impacting their life. The fruit is worth it. What happens when you're nearly finished? You close your Bible or your iPad. The fruit is worth it. And some of us need to walk out of a situation. I'm so glad in the first service because um, I, this wasn't in my notes and I shared it and then I was told something at the end of the service that God spoke this word last week into the church. So I'm going to repeat it. Sometimes we have to walk out of something to get to our destination. We have to walk out of a bondage. We have to walk out of a toxic relationship or, or even something more positive. Some of us have to walk out of good things to get to our destination. Maybe God is calling you into full-time ministry and you have to leave a job. He's God. How will it happen? Look, as far as I can see in the Bible and from experience, if you walk it out, he works it out. If I try to work it out, I won't even walk out. Or if I trust him and I walk it out, somehow he's able to work it out incredibly. And Moses walked into Egypt and he walked out with two million people. He walks in and you know the story. But the point that God wants me to get to, that if you walk it out, that what was holding you back will become a platform for praise. 
And the people in this, in, that was held in, in Egypt, that um, the people were on 400 years of, of, of tyranny, 400 years of oppression. They, every symbol that, that was theirs as a nation was taken off them. Their flags, their symbolic things, their, their voice, their sound, everything was taken. 400 years of captivity, of being oppressed. When your children's children's children, again, it gets to them that this is just normal. And, 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 and as a nation, we, we were under tyranny for 800 years. Our flag was taken off as Irish people. Our, 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 our language was taken off as it was illegal to speak Gaelic in our, in our nation. And uh, so we have some understanding of that. And not only have we got some understanding, but what it does to us. You, what we love about Americans is your confidence. Because we lack it so much. That we think, no, everyone else is better than us. That's the way the Irish think. So what we do is pull you down to our level. That's, that's part of our culture. Before you get a big head, I'm going to make sure you know how bad you are. I don't speak my own language, Gaelic. It's incredible the effects it has on you over generations. And they're in, in, in Egypt, and they've been pushed down and beaten down. And Moses convinces them to walk out with them. Because sometimes it's hard to walk. It's sometimes the devil you know is better than what you don't know. Sometimes comfort in pain. At least I know what this is. And you're asking me to step out of this. You're asking me to step out of bondage. You're asking me to step out and believe God. Well, it's easier sometimes to stay in the boat. So it takes faith, it takes guts, it takes courage to go. Yeah, look, I know what Troy, I'm going to step out. And all of the screaming of all the other stuff would be calling out to you. But this is what used to happen. They, they used to have in, in, this is what they, they did in them days, the Egyptians done to the Israelites. They weren't allowed to speak. They didn't have a voice. They didn't want their sound. So if two people were talking, they had this thing called a timbrel, which is like a small tambourine. And um, so it had these little, you know, those little roundy things that makes little symbol things. And they used to have it on a long stick. So if you two were talking, you were the two Israelites, and you were talking, just in case you get a bit big for your shoes, they go like this with the tambourine. Which was to shut you up. You haven't got a voice. You haven't got a sound. You're a slave, remember. So people talking, and the, the mistress of the house, or the master of the house, would come and go, shh. They were reduced to a, a whisper. So when they come out of Egypt, and Moses walks them out of Egypt, he was saying, come out with me. He didn't say these words, but I'm saying of a sermon, say that the fruit is worth it. We're going to worship God. There's a promise, there's a covenant attached to us as a people. He's going to give us the land flowing with milk and honey. So we convinced him to walk out with him. But on the way out, what did he get? They got, they got um, jewelry of the Egyptians. They got fine linen. They got fine clothing. They got all these things. So you can imagine. So they come out of here. And uh, they crossed the Red Sea. And the, the enemy was, was, was drowned. And when they got on the other side, that Miriam takes out a timbrel. You can read it yourself. It says Miriam. Your translation might say a tambourine or a timbrel. But she takes out the timbrel. And it says, and whore and all the ladies. Now, if they I reckon probably two million, two and a half million came out of, so that, let's say at least a million ladies. Or let's say, yeah, a million, would that be fair? Sure. Yeah, it says Miriam and all the ladies took the tambourines. And they start shaking them and singing. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. <laughs> a million people. But the question is, where did they get the timbrels? 
Where did they come from? And on the way out, so you can imagine them on the way out and the mistress was saying, there's some gold and there's some jewelry and there's some rubies or there's some fine linen, and there's some cloth. And they look on the mantelpiece if they had them and says, I want the timbrel. So a million ladies, I want the timbrel. And they get on the other side, and this is how the fruit is worded. When you walk it out, God will work it out. You get to the other side, and the very thing that told you to shut up, you're using it as an instrument of praise to God. That's what the God, Lord wants to release. What's holding you back? You walk it out, and God will give you a platform. You will shout about what was holding you back. He will do it. Are we not all testimonies of it in some areas of our lives already? He wants to do more. He wants to do more in your life. He wants to do more in my life. Why? Because he was on the other side. The fruit is worth it. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was before him. Jesus endured the cross. And he could see you and me this day and this age. You know what, Father? The fruit is worth it. And I'm going to reach men and women that are in captivity. And I'm going to put cities and nations and continents into and I'm going to bring people by to tell them. I'm going to bring people by with a word of knowledge or a word of healing. I'm going to bring people by to provide for them. And they're going to get stronger and they're going to believe who they are in me. And then they're going to go into the world. Because his dream is the world, isn't it? So could we stand? The fruit is worth it. There will be battles along the way. But there will be cities taken along the way. There will be giants along the way, but there will be giants' heads to show us trophies along the way. There will be generational curses, and there will be generational curses broken along the way. There will be fortified walled strongholds along the way, but there will be fortified strong, strongholds demolished along the way. There will be individuals that we meet along the way, that everyone has given up on. And there'll be individuals that will stand up on platforms and say, God is so good. And we say, Lord, here we are. Here we are, Lord. Will you use us, O oh God? Will you heal us, Lord? Will you set us free, God? Would you be our God? Would you be our King? Would you walk amongst us right now, Lord, and speak and whisper? And touch on the shoulder. A young man in my church, 10 years of age, his dad moved in with a lady next door to him and his mom and family. Left his mother and went with another mother next door. Broken young man. He ran away from home at 10 years of age and, and slept in a cement mixer. He ended up stopped going to school. He went out robbing things and just food to eat and end up becoming a heroin addict. Through his life as a heroin addict, he done what heroin addicts done is not always nice. He gets clean, couldn't find forgiveness in anything, and he meets me. And I share him about the cross and the forgiveness of Jesus, and he still couldn't get it. He came over to my house. I'd done 20 illustrations with him. He couldn't get it. No, I'm too bad and all. The half dead of him was speaking and, was a, and that was ruling him. 
And earlier that day, he came over to my house, which had my office out the back. And earlier that day, my young daughter, Erica, was painting. And, and, and as I was going out to my office, there was a little jar of red paint and a brush on the floor. And I picked it up and just put it into the, into the press. And while I goes out there, this young man, Jason, comes with, a, 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 what do you call them, like a legal pad? And they're about 20 pages in, black, back, on, back in front of each of those pages, he wrote down every sin he could ever remember. And he says, tell me now, can God forgive all of that? And I've done so many illustrations with him. I said, Lord, what will I do? I remember the little tin of red paint. I said, hang on a minute, Jay. And I went in, I got the red paint. And I, I painted over in red paint the first, first line of his sins. And I says, read that to me. And he says, I can't. And he said, why? I said, why? And he says, because it's covered. And I said, Jay, that's it. Jesus has known he covered all your sins, but he's paid the price for everything you've ever done. And we sat down and we painted every line with red paint. And we set them on fire because they they, they, to be remembered no more. I want to tell you the fruit is worth it. I want to tell you there's people here and you need to know the blood of Jesus just washing over that sin that's holding you back. You need to walk it out. He walked it out. Get up and get out of that pigsty. Receive your call. Receive your 10 cities or your 10 people, wherever it is. Receive it. The fruit is worth it. Speak God's blessing and God's greatness over your life. Not only over your life, but through your life. The kingdom of God is within, but he wants it to get out. So I release that river in the name of Jesus to flow out of Faith Chapel into O'Fallon and into the surrounding areas and into the state and into the nation and into the nations in Jesus' great name.